I do want to let you know that on Saturday, we had a water baptism. I believe 10 plus people uh, were water baptized, uh, wanting to make that, that declaration before their family there, but most importantly, before the Lord, that they love Jesus, that they want to live for Jesus. You know, the idea of that old man being washed away and that new man coming up. It was a beautiful time. A lot of us were able to go there. Um, we are praying about being water baptized. Um, I'm not sure when the next one's going to be as it gets a little colder soon, uh, but you could pray and uh, maybe we'll make another one available before the year is over. But hey guys, speaking of praying, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless his word. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come before you, Lord. And God, we ask that as we do open up your word, that you would speak clearly to us, Lord. We pray, God, that you would open up our understanding. Uh, we pray, Father, that you would have something fresh for us. God, that you would have a verse, that you would have, Lord, this portion of scripture that we could take home, that we could make our own. Uh, God, for the rest of the week, that we could think upon, uh, Lord, this portion of scripture, that you would bring it to remembrance as we go through our daily living, God. And Lord, we thank you that your word is living. We thank you, God, that your word is for today, that your word is for tonight. So God, we welcome you in this place. We pray, Father, that you would please fill us, fill this place with your Holy Spirit. God, let my words be your words, Father, and uh, nothing else. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Psalm 40, if you're not there, you can turn there. So I get a little bit of water. I'd like to read through the 17 verses straight through, and then we could go verse by verse and kind of break them down a little more. But there in Psalm 40, in verse 1, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my steps. Verse 3, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done and your thoughts towards us, they cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Verse 6, sacrifice and suffering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O oh Lord, you yourself know. Verse 10, a little halfway through this portion of scripture, we see I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord, and let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O oh Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually. The Lord be magnified, but I am poor and needy. 
Let the Lord, yet the Lord, he thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. Psalm 40. Psalm 40, in verse 1, right, we see that it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently. Sometimes we make the mistake of forgetting that there's three answers to prayer, right? We think it's a yes or a no. But sometimes the Lord tells us, wait. And if we're in a hurry, if we're not patient, we sometimes take that, we take that wait and we say what? Oh, it's a no. Jesus is telling me no. The Lord's telling me no. The answer to this prayer is no. And maybe God's saying, just wait. Just wait. And we see there that it says that David, he waited patiently for the Lord. And if I could be honest with you, I'll wait on the Lord. But if I were writing this, it would probably say, I waited impatiently for the Lord. I guess some of you can agree with me, right? I think of my relationship with Judith. And we told each other that we liked each other at, at a young age. We were both teenagers. I didn't have a job. I couldn't financially provide for her, right? So six years later, when I did have a job and had a career, you know, the Lord led us to get married. But in those six years, at times, I would be impatient. And here David says that he waited on the Lord patiently. And you see, when we wait patiently, we continue to have faith. We continue to have hope. We continue to pray even when we don't see it. Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is confidence in that what we hope for and the insurance about what we do not see. Philippians 4.6, when you're in a fix, Philippians 4.6, right? So many of us know this verse, and it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, when we wait impatiently for the Lord, we get ourselves into trouble. We live in a microwave society. What does that mean? We want everything now, right? A good steak is not thrown into a microwave. I think Zach would attest to that and would tell you guys that, right? There's a process. There's, there's things that you have to do. You skip one of those steps, and guess what? That steak tastes like a rock, right? It is, it is not a good thing to stick into your mouth. You say, oh, this is, this is nasty. But you wait. You're patient. You take, you take the right steps in making that steak, and man, it's delicious. It almost melts in your mouth, right? Impatiently waiting on the Lord. You see, sometimes one of two things happens. We say, I'm done praying, right? Say, I've waited too long. I, 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 I give up on this. I give up on this area of my life. I give up on this struggle. I, I give up on, on this hardship. But sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we impatiently wait on the Lord and we prayer hop. Prayer hop, what is that? When you go from one pastor to another, to another, to another, or one friend to another friend to another friend, and all you're doing is you're seeking the answer that you want to hear, right? The Lord has told you something. He has been clear with you. Be saved. He has to have something else for me. He, he has to have something else for me. This is what makes sense. This is the answer that I want. So we say, he's not giving it to me. Maybe this guy will give it to me. Uh, this friend, he's, he's, he's not telling me what I want to hear. So let me prayer hop. Let me go to the next person. And then that person says exactly what you want to hear, right? You say, ha, it's the Lord. I have to go and do this. We have to be so careful with that family. We have to be so careful to go to our accountability. They are our accountability for a reason, right? They keep us accountable to what the Lord has put in their heart for us. And that's not something light, right? That's something that we should pray about having. It's difficult to walk our walk with the Lord 
without having accountability. We want someone that is more mature than us in the Lord, that we could go to them and say, hey, this is what my week's been like. This is what my, my, my current struggle is. This is the hardship that I'm going through. And what do they do? They don't just give us good advice, right? They take us back to the word of God. Say, hey, what about this verse? Or hey, what about this portion of scripture? Oh man, I was reading this in my Bible this morning and I think this would apply great to what you're saying. I think, I think the Lord really had me read this so that I would share it with you. That is true accountability. So be careful. Be careful to prayer hop. Be careful to jump from one person to another just because you have itching ears and you want to hear what you want to hear, right? So we keep going there. It says that, and he inclined to me. Inclined. I clicked on that word, right? It's to attentively and intensely listen to someone. See, that is who our God is. When he listens to us, he listens attentively and he listens intensely. So attentively, what that is, right, is that he's paying attention. Yes, he's paying attention to you and to you and to you, even though we pray at the same time, right? I think of someone, right, you're having a conversation with them and they're like, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, you ask them, what did I just say? They have no clue. That's not our God, right? He cares for us individually. He has time for us in the middle of the night. He has time for us when we wake up at 3 a.m. and we can't get any sleep. We don't wake up our Lord. Our Lord's ready. Our Lord's willing. He's not sleepy, right? Three? Can you get back to me at six? Give me a couple more hours. It's not that. Our Lord, he is attentively listening to our prayers. And then intently, the idea is that his intent is to answer that prayer. We had mentioned that there's three answers to prayer, right? Yes, no, and wait. He listens, and his intent is to answer. But we, we are called to wait patiently. Our God, he sympathizes with our cry, right? The last part of that verse, it says, and he heard my cry. I have a newborn. Maybe you've seen her around. Her name is Grace, right? You'll oftentimes see me towards the back carrying her during worship or during some part of the service or my wife doing that. But in the middle of the night, if she cries, my wife is right there. You guys are going to thought, you're right there. A lot of times I am, but my wife is right there for her, right? If it's during the day and she falls and she starts to cry, I don't say, that wasn't a bad fall. You got this. What do I do? I pick her up. I say, you're okay, honey. I give her a kiss, right? And the Lord, he hears our cry. He hears our cry, and he sympathizes with us. He says, where do you, where do you get that from? Turn with me to Hebrews 4. And in Hebrews 4, you'll see just how compassionate our Lord is. So he not only hears our cry, right? But there in Hebrews 4, in verses 14 through 16, we see that it says the following but our compassionate high priest, it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then it says in verse 16 of Hebrews 4, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of God, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, our Jesus, he was tempted in every way. You're going through something, he was tempted in that way. You think, oh, he can't relate to this. In a sense, he can Sure, he did it without sinning, and that's what makes him Jesus, right? That's what makes him perfect. 
but he relates. And we see there in verse 15 that he sympathizes with us. So he hears our cry and he sympathizes with us. You could turn back to Psalm 40. And in Psalm 40, we see in verse 2 that it says, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit. Ever fallen into a pit? Neither have I. I I saw one person nod his head. I want to know about that. Please tell me later. So a pit in this day and age, it was actually oftentimes used as jail cells, okay? And they would lower the person into this pit, okay? And at times, they would even put a stone to cover it. And as you keep reading there in verse 2, it says, out of the miry clay. And mire, it can be defined as a stretch of swampy or buggy land. The idea of kind of stepping into mud and your sandal stays in there, your, your, your boot stays in there, right? I, I once was fishing at a lake and it hadn't rained in a while. So the water had dropped a bit. And I hook onto a fish, I get a little distracted, I start taking a couple steps forward. Before you knew it, I was wearing Crocs. Both of the Crocs were gone. I had no clue where they had gone into that mud. And you see, these horrible pits, right? What it says there in verse 2 is that these horrible pits, they were oftentimes, the bottom was all of miry clay. And not only the bottom, but also the walls. You say, wow, that that is a horrible pit. And you see, these pits, they would affect all of your senses. In a sense, when they put that stone over it, it affected your sight, right? Because you were in darkness. It affected your smell because, man, you're in a jail cell. What are they going to feed you? Affected your your taste because what are they going to feed you? It affected your your smell because it would kind of get a little nasty in there, right? Imagine just being in a hole would affect your touch. Imagine all that you could touch is this miry clay. And obviously it would affect your sound. You're kind of stuck in there. There's no one around you. What are you going to do, talk to yourself? Maybe. So the idea is that he will bring us out of this horrible pit in our lives. Whatever it may be that you're going through. You may say, my mom has cancer. Uh, my, my family member's going through, through this medical condition. I, I, I love them so much. I, I don't want to see them go through this. You may say, I, I'm, I'm currently in this struggle. Right? Or you may say, hey, I have this family member, and they don't know the Lord. Guess what? When we didn't know the Lord, we were also in this horrible pit, spiritually speaking. But our God, he is good. And it says there that he brings us out of this horrible pit. He takes us out of the miry clay. And what does it say there in verse verse 2? The second half of it, it says, he sets my feet upon the rock. So he not only takes us out of this pit, he not only takes us out of this miry clay, but he sets our feet on a solid foundation. You don't have to turn there, but... Psalm 18, verse 2, says that the Lord is my rock and my fortress. He is my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold. This rock, right, this solid foundation, it has to be the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything else it will falter. Anything else, it may be good for a season, but it'll only be good for a season. The Lord's good, right? He saves us. He takes us out of that pit. He gives us a hope when we had no hope. He sets our feet upon a solid foundation. Verse three, he has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Quite literally, he, he does that. He, he gives us, right, songs that we sing. 
He gives us worship songs that we can't get out of our minds. I think of my father-in-law, and he tells me of this story that when he got saved, he had to tell everyone about Jesus. And if you know my father-in-law, he's very enthusiastic about the things that he loves. So at the time, he was the manager at a McDonald's. He says he would blast worship music through the speakers. See, the Lord had put a song on his heart, and he wanted everyone to hear it. And family, maybe you've been saved for a long time, right? Maybe you could say, yeah, back in 2000, right? Back in 1992, the year I was born. Whatever it may be, right? And maybe the Lord did have a song for you. Maybe the Lord did have that change in demeanor in your life where you wanted to tell everyone about Jesus. I pray that if it's not so tonight, that starting tonight, it would be like that again. That tomorrow when you get into the workplace, tomorrow when, you know, you have those friends around you or those coworkers around you that don't know the Lord, that there would be a new song in your mouth. It says, many will see it and fear. See, that word fear, it's a respect, a reverence for the Lord. And will trust in the Lord. I want to key in on the idea that many will see it. I love it when one person in a family or in a household gets saved. Because oftentimes it's not only them, but later on you see, right, if it's the son, you see his sister. You see his brother get saved. You see his parents get saved. You see a whole family come to the Lord. A lot of times you'll, you'll be talking to someone here and they'll tell you, oh yeah, that's my brother. Quite literally, that's my brother. And Oh look, and that's my dad. And that's my cousin. And it's because the Lord does that, right? He puts this song in our hearts. He, he, he changes our demeanor. He changes who we are. And people become hungry for what you have. Sometimes we don't even have to, to say it, right? Just because our demeanor changes, just because the way that we speak changes, just because our actions change, people are like, I need what George has. Yeah, he, he didn't have this a month ago. All of a sudden, he knows the Lord, and he's a completely different dude. And I think of the youth when they come back from camp, right? And a lot of people, a lot of youth give their lives to the Lord, rededicate their lives to the Lord. They get back to, to their house, and their parents, the following week, they're like, what'd you do with my son? What, what'd you do with my daughter? I, I didn't do anything. The Lord touched them. And when the Lord touches our lives, that's what we want to do, right? We want to tell others. And it says there that many will see it and fear. And that's my prayer tonight. Man, if one of you don't know the Lord and you're sitting in those chairs tonight, that tonight would be the night of salvation. And that it would not only be you, but that it would be your family. That it would be those coworkers that are around you. That the Lord would start a revival within our church, within our friends, within our family, within those that are around us. That we would have a fire that, man, it would not die down. That it would just spread like wildfire, right? Verse 4, it, said, it says, Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's tough for me. If I could be honest with you guys, if I could be vulnerable, right? I want to lean on my own understanding. Sometimes I, I think that I have it. Sometimes I think that I got this. I've, I've lived through this. I got, I got examples for this. But it says there in verse 6 of Proverbs 3, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your steps. Trust in the Lord, family, with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And he's faithful. He will direct your steps. I can't imagine having gone through my teenage years without the Lord. It's so difficult. It's such a difficult, uh, you know, stage in our lives. I, I'm the youth pastor, and I, I'm also in the education system, so I deal with youth on a daily basis. And I know just all the things that they're going through. 
I know the attacks that the enemy has on them. I, I, I know how, how evil social media can be. I know how, how, how bad phones can be for them, the internet. I, I see that firsthand. I see, I, I see the darkness that there is in this world. But man, when we trust in the Lord, when we purpose to give him all that we are, even in those seasons of life, when things are a little dicey, when we're trying to figure out what we're going to do next, it says there in Proverbs 3 that he shall direct our steps. Second half of verse 4, it says, And does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. See, sometimes it's easy to turn aside to lies or to deceiving lips. Why? Because they're going to tell us what we want to hear. Sometimes it's exactly what our flesh wants. But it warns us there, do not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Verse 5, many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done. And your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. You guys get that? You guys awake for that? Let's read that one more time. Verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works, which you have done, and your thoughts towards us. You... You guys, you heard that, right? That many are his thoughts towards us. You, 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 all of us, individually, his thoughts towards us, they're many. And it says there, they cannot be recounted to you in order. If I, were to, if I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. He thinks of us. He cares for us. He loves us. The word of God tells us he knows the number of hairs on her head. Kind of been losing, you know, some of my hair right up here, right? But he knows. He knows how many hairs I've lost. He, he knows my struggles. He knows where I am on a daily basis. He knows the days that I'm seeking him. He knows the days when I'm not seeking him. He knows how I'm doing. He cares for me. Many are his thoughts about me. John 21, verse 25, it says the following. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. You see, our God's a good God. I just said it and I'll say it again. He cares for us individually. And he's still in the business of doing miracles. He's still in the business of saving. He's still in the business of doing a work in each and every one of our lives, even when we feel that there's no hope. Even when we feel like we've come to the end of the road. Our God, he is a good God. He is a good father. He is our Abba. And he cares for us. Psalm 111. Please turn with me to Psalm 111. I absolutely love Psalm 111. I'll tell you why. A lot of you know my testimony. My father passed away when I was six years old. One of the things that my mom saved for me was this little sheet of paper that she later on framed for me. And it was my dad's handwriting, and it's Psalm 111. And I hold on to that. It's one of the most important things that I own. And Psalm 111, it says, praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. In the assembly of the upright and in the congregation, the works of the Lord, they are great. 
and they are studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work, it is honorable and glorious. His righteousness, it endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He has given food to those who fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. You see that verse 5, as we just read, it begins by saying, Many are, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. Begin to think of your past, right? Begin to think of all that the Lord has done in your life. Whatever it may be, 50, 60, maybe 30, 25, 15 years, whatever your life is, look back upon it. I promise you, you're going to see the work of the Lord. You're going to see the times that he's been faithful. And at times when we begin to think the things that we've gone through, you see the Lord's hands in your life. You see the things that he's pulled you out of, right? You see those pits that you were once in that you are no longer in. You see that he has set your life on the rock. That he has given you a hope when you had no hope. You see that. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. And again, you think of your life, and that's only 50, 60 years. The Lord's been doing this for a long time. He's a good God. It's not just about us, right? It's about those that came before us. The Lord was there for them. Those that will come after us, the Lord will be there for them. The Lord was, is, and will be. He's so good. Verse 6 of Psalm 40. It says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. So what did David mean here? David, he understood that in a relative sense, God didn't want animal sacrifices. God didn't want, he, what he wanted was our surrendered life. What he wanted was for us to be willing servants. You see where it says, my ears you have opened. Commentators of the word, uh, they say it's one of two things. The first thing is this, that David, he likely referred to the custom of making bond servants. Where a slave who wanted to remain in his master's house and in his master's service would be marked with an open ear. You see, that is, his master would pierce his ear, and he would voluntarily serve him forever. The idea was that he or she was a good master, a good master. And you think of our heavenly father, and I think you could agree with me that he is a good master. My ears you have opened the idea that we would willingly serve him because it's the only thing that makes sense. When he came down, when Jesus came down to earth, what did he do? He lived a life of service. He gave us the perfect example. Whatever the heavenly father would have him do, he would do. And likewise, that should be told of us. That should be our lives. Ever want to follow someone? Ever want to imitate someone? Ever want to copy someone? You think of, of basketball players, right? And they study film. They study film of the previous greats. The really good players that make it to the NBA and want to continue on their craft, they study Michael Jordan. They study Kobe Bryant. They study the way that they would pivot their foot. They study the way that they would turn around. The, the, the way that they would turn to the left or to the right. And they try to mimic that because those were the all-time greats. And you see, likewise, right, 
we have the perfect example. We have Jesus. He lived, like we previously read, he was tempted, yet he lived a perfect life. We have the greatest example to live after. We have the greatest example to try to mimic. We have the greatest example to try to be like. And willingly, we get to do that. Willingly, we get to say, you are a good master. Willingly, we get to say, you're so awesome to me. You give me the things that I don't deserve. Who else am I going to serve? Who else am I going to go to? And the second thing that we see there that some commentators say is that quite literally he opens up our ears in the sense that he opens up our understanding for the word. And it kind of feels like sometimes that's just from one day to another. And maybe you're here, you've sat through this entire teaching, you've sat through previous teachings, right? And you've never really understood God's word. Pray. Pray even right now in your chair. Say, Lord, open up my understanding. God, that I may hear your words. God's word, it is living. It is for today. The portion of scripture that we're going through tonight, it is for tonight. Jesus loves you guys. He had us go through this portion of scripture tonight for a reason. Verse 7, as I race with time, it says, Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. See, verses 7 and 8, they are true of David. They should be true of us here tonight. But let's not lose sight of the fact that they are most true about our Jesus. They are most true about our Jesus. Verse 8, it says, I delight or I take pleasure, I take joy, I take satisfaction to do your will, O my God. And your law is within my heart. Psalm 1, Psalm 1, it says the following in the first three verses. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And there's that word, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. That verse 8, it says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Should be a red flag when to do the will of of our God is burdensome, when it's something that we don't want to do, when it's something that we cringe at doing. That should be a red flag. It should be our Deloitte, Del, Deloitte. Should be our Deloitte. Should be our pleasure. It should be our joy to do his will. And again, his law, his word, it should be within our hearts. That Psalm 1, right? It says that our delight should be in the law of the Lord, in his word, and that we should meditate in it day and night, morning and night. No greater way to wake up and no greater way to go to sleep, but to spend time in God's word with our Jesus. Verse 9, I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. Whenever I have good news, I don't know about you, but I have to tell someone about it, right? Whenever I find something out for the first time that I really enjoyed, I have to give someone a call. My wife makes fun of me. Whenever I eat at a good restaurant for the first time, I have this one specific cousin, set of cousins that I, I give a call to. Like, 
you have to go to this restaurant. It was cheap. It was good. And the plate was like this big. And she's there. And it usually doesn't take me long. I'm in the car on their way home, and I'm calling people. I'm like, you have to go to this restaurant. It's like Thursday. I'm like, Saturday, we're going. <laughs> and I do that because I take delight in, in eating. I take delight in a good meal, right? I, I want to share that with others. I, I want to be able to partake of that with others. I want to be able to sit down, enjoy that meal with someone else. Dude, that was only $8. You believe that? We could share that plate, but we won't. <laughs> and if we believe what we believe, if we believe that our only hope is in the Lord, if we believe that without him we have no hope, if we believe that the cross is the only way to salvation, believing in Jesus, saying that we are sinners, that we are in need of saving, if we truly believe that, if we truly believe the good news, we should be telling everyone about it. On the way home, in your car, you should be calling someone. Hey, I know it's late, but Jesus loves you. Hey, I know it's late. I know we haven't talked in a while. But I sat through this teaching. I know it's Wednesday night, but I sat through a teaching and God spoke to me. And I want to tell you about it. That's the way that we should be. If that's the way my attitude is about a silly restaurant, about a plate of food, how much more should it be for the Lord? Psalm 10, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. If we could be honest, sometimes it's uncomfortable to share with an unbeliever about the Lord. We're scared of what their reaction will be, right? We're scared if they're not going to take it well. Say, man... I wonder if they're going to bark back at me, you know? I, I, I wonder if they're not going to take it well today and if this is going to turn into an argument. And we hide it within our hearts. We hide our faith. We hide our walk. We hide the good news. And we say, I'll hold on to this and I'll save it for some other time. And before you know it, it's months, it's years, and you've been working alongside of the same coworker. You've been working alongside of the same person. And not once during a lunch break, not once after work, have you told them about the Lord. See, maybe the spirit has been knocking. Maybe God has been telling you, hey, it's time to, to kind of throw a little seed at them. Right? It, it, it's time to, to plant something. Let, let's do this. But you choose to hide it. She used to say, hmm, I'm scared of what their response will be. It says there in the second half of verse 10, I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly, from his people. Verse 11, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually Preserve me. Lamentations 3, verses 22 through 24. They say, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassion, it fails not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. So in verse 11, when it says, do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord, find comfort in knowing that his mercies are new every morning. When it says, let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me, the psalmist in Psalm 16, he agrees with that, and he says, preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. Let's trust in the Lord, and he's faithful. If we do that, he will preserve us. Verse 12, for innumerable evils have surrounded me. 
My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy me. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. You see, despite his many iniquities, David could and did rely upon the Lord for deliverance. He skillfully phrased his request, not only asking God to deliver him, but also asking God to take pleasure in his deliverance. He could not ask, he could ask boldly, excuse me, because he believed it to be consistent with God's pleasure. Let me repeat that. It says that, and this is um, one of the commentaries, says he could ask boldly because he believed it to be consistent with his good pleasure. God's good pleasure. He decided, you know what? I could ask these things boldly. And David Guzik, he has this to say. He says, we might take this principle and apply it to many of our requests. Lord, be pleased to forgive me. God, be pleased to correct me. Father, be pleased to provide for me. Oh, Lord, be pleased to heal me. God, please be pleased to guide me. Father, be pleased to bless me. And he is. He's pleased to do those things for us because he cares for us. He loves us. Verse 16, as the worship team comes up and the pastors also come on up, it says the following. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation Say continually, the Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord, he thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. In verse 16, we see that it says, let such as love your salvation Say continually, the Lord be magnified. When you magnify something, what do you do? You amplify it. You increase it, right? And it's not that we would make God bigger than what he is. Because we can't do that, right? But it's that we would take a closer look. It's that not only we would take a closer look, but that we would allow others to take a closer look that we would magnify his name before the assembly. And David, he says, but I am poor and needy. He wasn't poor, right? He was a rich man. But he says there, I am poor and I am needy. He realizes that he's nothing without the Lord. And God, he's so good, right? We're all sinful. We all fall short. He says there, yet the Lord thinks upon me. He thinks upon me. Who am I? I'm nothing. I, I, I'm not that great, right? I falter. I slip. I mess up. And yet he thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. Psalm 46, 1. We'll end with this. It says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. So family, wherever you are tonight, you may say, I don't know that I'm saved. You may say, I, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. That may be where you're at. That may be your present trouble. You may say, no, I'm saved but I'm going through this. 
Or no, I'm saved, but I'm going through that. Then that's your present trouble. But be comforted in knowing that God is our refuge. God is our strength. Family, let's put our trust in him. Like this portion of scripture, like it reminded us, let's willingly be his servants. Let's willingly give him our all. Let's willingly say, you are a good master. To who else will I go? And let's not only do that, but let's be bold. Let's be bold for the rest of this week, huh? As the Lord leads and guides, as the Holy Spirit leads in your life, let's tell others about the good news. Let's tell them about this big plate of food that we found for a cheap price. Let's tell them about Jesus. So again, pastors, you could come on up. The pastors will be available to pray. Um, as we sing a couple songs of worship, and then Amanda, if you could close us out in prayer. Know that if you're here tonight and you haven't given your life to the Lord, that the Lord loves you, that he cares for you, that he has plans for you that you would walk in them. And tonight is the night of salvation. Let's pray. We'll enjoy some songs of worship. The pastors will be up here and they will be dismissed. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that your word does not come back void. God, we thank you, Lord, that your word is living. We thank you that it is for today. God, we pray that you would have your way in our lives. God, we pray, Father, that you would be magnified tonight. God, that what you've started tonight, that it would not end here, that we would not forget as we leave through those doors. But Lord, set a fire in our hearts as it once was. God, put a song in our hearts. Lord, please allow us to be the light, to be the salt in this dark world. We love you. We trust you. We look to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.